when you look back in history, you can learn a lot and history does repeat itself. And so the same goes for us. When we journal, we are making a good note of our own history and that's motivating to me. So I'd say to anybody who's kind of stuck or like, gosh, where do I start? It starts with the first page of just a crazy free ride idea. And you know, the, the journey of your history is starting there. Hi, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronena Inbinder. This show features the stories of talented people working in sports. Are you ready? Let's go. Today's episode features a very unique and talented guest. He is an experienced real estate investor and entrepreneur who has a very active role in the sports industry throughout the years. Today, he is the CEO of V1 Sports, the world leader in video swing analysis software to improve the performance of golfers. V1 is used by more than 17,000 PGA golf professionals and their app has over 2 million downloads. Our guest also runs Opportunity Seed Capital, an entity that invests in sports and technology, offers consulting services, and takes an active role in society as a foundation that strives to help different communities. It is an honor and a pleasure to host such a legend in today's Halftime Snack. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Finnerty. <laughs> you could be a stadium announcer, Ronan. That's pretty good. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. How about you? I'm doing awesome, man. My icebreaker for you today is that I want to ask you what superpower you wish you had. Oh, boy. What superpower wish? Um, I'm going to say um, probably unlimited strength because as mm. a as a past professional soccer player and as a goalkeeper i i always wished i had a little more strength so probably superman like strength would be uh you know i could make every save i could kick the ball to from one end of the field to the other or in golf i'd be able to hit it <laughs> as far as i want so yeah probably probably uh probably unlimited strength would be my thing That's awesome, man. I, I I think that with that strength, you'd be able to, you know, swing a golf uh, ball to from here to Europe. So that would be pretty <laughs> awesome to see. <laughs> um, anyways, Brian, welcome to the Half Ten Snacks. It's a pleasure to host you. It's a pleasure to have you here. I've seen some of your episodes and some of your interviews before. So and all of them are great. Um, and where I saw that you tell your, your story, you tell the story of the companies that you've built, the companies that you've sold. So I, I was thinking while I was preparing this interview, how can I make this different? How can I uh, get something different out of Brian? And so the way I thought about it is, is that I'm going to try and decode whatever is inside your brain, whatever, how you are made, what you're made of. <laughs> so uh, let's see how that goes. I haven't tried that um, yet. But let's start off by talking about about habits. I want to know uh, what is one habit that is making you or makes you smarter. I want to know what one habit that makes you healthier and one habit that makes you wealthier. So let's start off by the habit that makes you smarter. What is one habit that you've developed over, over the years that uh, you found out to be uh, really successful in making you smarter 
and how or why and how you come up with it? I think if it's truly about being smarter, uh, it's got to be reading. I, I um, As you can see from my bookcase behind me, um, this is one of three that I've got. I've got a big one downstairs, another big one at my office. Um, so this is my home office right now. Uh, I, I, I won't say I love reading um, for the fact that of just doing the reading part. <clears throat> so I don't read a lot of fiction, um, but I really do love learning. And so uh, to me, you know, school is great. That's awesome. I think you get a, a foundation for education there. But I'm 53 years old and I have not stopped learning. And I can tell you, um, I not only feel smarter, but a lot wiser in, in these years, because as I read, I get to apply it. And I think sometimes in college, students are told that it's all about the grade they get in the book that they read for that class. But to me, if you can't go apply that, that knowledge that you've just gained uh, by reading or researching or whatever it might be, uh, to me, it's kind of a missed opportunity. So yeah, I, I think reading for me would be number one. That's awesome. And how, how much do you read or how frequently or what's your strategy? Do you have like you read multiple books uh, at, at the same time or is it that you pick one and you finish it? And like what's how, how do you approach it? A uh, good question. So I am not smart enough to run through two or three books at one time. So it is pick a book, get through the book. Um, <laughs> and my strategy kind of varies. I like to do it when I'm fresh. I do not do it at the end of the day uh, because I find that either when I read, I fall asleep. Or when I read, I get stimulated in thought, and then it's hard to go to sleep. So I like to read in the morning first thing. Um, or if I have a break during the day, I might, you know, if I get a half hour, hour break. I've also added the last probably, you know, through COVID, um, doing book on tape through Audible. So that's been kind of fun, where I actually have the physical copy of the book. And if I'm in the car, taking my dog for a walk, I just listen. And then I come back and I make notes in my book. So um, I really just try to commit every day to reading a, a portion, right? Just little steps at a time versus sitting down for five hours on a Sunday, which I typically don't have. If I do, I'm, I'm trying to play golf somewhere. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's little, little chunks at a time. And I'm always looking to apply the little pieces that I read. I think that's another difference when I've talked to other guys and gals about this, that I don't wait until I'm done <clears throat> to then start to look for application to apply it. So I might be only in the second or third chapter, but if I see ways to talk to my staff or introduce a concept, um, I'll get it going right away. It kind of keeps me engaged in the book, whatever I'm reading, you know, at any point in time. And what about which books do you pick? Is it based off recommendations? Is it based off um, similar books that you read before? Like, how do you pick a new book? Wow, another good question. Um, yeah, probably all of those things, right? So <clears throat> I follow a bunch of authors on Twitter. Uh, John Gordon's a, I'm a big fan of John Gordon and he can recommend certain books. Hey, you know, this one is similar to that one. Um, I spend a lot of time with peers, both in the sports industry and in the philanthropic industry. And as you'd imagine, like minds think alike, right? So someone will say, Oh, I just read this great book, or I'd heard you had this challenge with your development team, read this book, right? So it is a little bit recommendation and who I follow. Um, I think that's how most of us do it. I'm not a, you know, New York Times bestseller follower. So to me, I, um, I'm typically more what I'm in the mood for and kind of what, what people recommend. Great, man. That's great. What about one habit that is making you healthier? Uh, how did you, how, how did you adapt it to your life? I guess that you're a busy man. So, uh, trying to find ways in which you can either, you know, exercise or, uh, eat healthier or, or just stay fit makes it that a, bit, a little bit challenging. So how how did you implement one habit that is making you healthier 
day by day? Um, well, you know, I, I know we have limited time, but I'll say <clears throat> health to me is broken down into three things. You have physical, mental, and spiritual. And so uh, I know that doesn't apply to everybody, but if I look at the physical side, um, for me, I, this isn't rocket science, it's moderation. My wife is a fantastic cook. She loves cooking um, really healthy food. I don't always love eating the healthiest food, but when she's <laughs> making it, I'm eating it. And I know that when I go out for a burger or pizza or beer, uh, it's just, you know, in moderation, right? If I'm going to have the burger, probably don't get the extra order of fries. Um, if I'm going to have pizza, try to limit the number of slices. You know, I still enjoy all those foods. I enjoy ice cream, but it's moderation. <laughs> and with that moderation is also eating healthy. So I think that's on the physical side um, that does come with being active. So much like reading, I try to be active every day. I, I dedicate two days a week to working out really hard. And the other days of the week, I'll ride a bike, walk the golf course, uh, take my dog for a walk. Nothing crazy. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm in the greatest shape, but, you know, I can <laughs> I can hold my own, which is pretty good. And then spiritually, um, again, it sounds pretty simple, but prayer in the morning um, seems to be really good. And then I just pick one passage during the day to try to focus on and see what, uh, you know, what what the Bible has to say for me on that day. And it's not groundbreaking. I'm not, uh, you know, going through and memorizing uh, 15, 16 different things. It's just these little chunks. And then I journal, right? So to kind of funnel all those things together, if I'm going to be healthy, I've really got to have a place for my brain, which is moving a lot. Um, to have a place to just park ideas, right? Which might be at the end of the day when I'm tired. It could be what I want to work on in this next month or this next uh, quarter. And a journal works really good for me. So I can look back and number one, be really grateful. I think oftentimes we look back if we do journal, whether we're praying for something, uh, asking for some help, just writing open questions like, why am I so stuck here? And then you can read back three or four months and say, wow, it's amazing that I was able to find that answer or that I did this podcast and made me think of something that I ran into this one person that I would have never met. And they gave me this one idea. And when you start to look back on that, you realize uh, for me, I realize how thankful I am and how much gratitude that there's great people in my life. Uh, I'm surrounded by people that love me. And I think that's all part of being healthy. Right. So um, I know that's a, that's a long answer to a short question. But it's important, I think, as we break that down to say, are we really filling up all those buckets? And it's not easy, but uh, yeah, it's kind of that, that's my secret sauce, so to speak. I love it, Brian. And I'm very curious because I ask you because I've been trying to I've been thinking about uh, getting into the journaling side. I just wonder how is it that you do it? Do you like push yourself to at least write one thing every day or you just uh right whenever you have some good thoughts like how how exactly do you do it i just wonder because i, I also want to get into doing it so i just want to know how yeah you know it's a habit um so i've got a lot of years on you i will tell you in the beginning um, i really didn't enjoy it it was more because playing pro soccer it was a way for me to decompress after a game i would write notes this guy scored against me this guy had made a good move and it was easy to go back then compare that with video and compare notes. So that part was, it was forced, but it had an outcome. Today, I would tell you it's um, it's a place for me to daydream. So that's fun. And there are sometimes when I sort of feel mentally stuck and I just don't feel like I have much energy, I reach for my journal and, and I know that's a place that I can look back again and get some gratitude that oftentimes lifts us up when you kind of feel like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing better than I thought. Um, or just a place to write ideas, right? Just a free write. So it isn't like I, I wake up at, you know, 5.30 every morning and I journal from 5.30 to 6. It's not like that. Mm. But it is kind of making sure that I continue a journey through the journal. 
And there are times where I'll look back and say, man, I haven't written anything in a week and a half. Okay, that that hurts a little bit, right? Because now <laughs> I don't have a week and a half to look back. Um, and, you know, history is the best teacher for us. I think if you look at that and say, whether you study some of the the great Stoics back in time, or you go back into the biblical days, uh, or whatever, whatever lights your fire, when you look back in history, you can learn a lot. And history does repeat itself. And so the same goes for us. When we journal, we are making a good note of our own history. And that's motivating to me. So I'd say to anybody who's kind of stuck or like, gosh, where do I start? It starts with the first page of just a crazy free ride idea. And you know, the the journey of your history is starting there. So that's empowering for me to know that every time I write, part of my history is going in a book, right? So that that makes it easier for me to write, but I'm not a, I'm not a book writer. I'm barely a blog writer, you know, once a quarter. Um, but journaling does give me a place to kind of um, memorialize that stuff. Mm, nice. Hopefully that that's, helps a little bit. Yeah, that, I think that that gives me gives me a little bit more of a of a mental freedom because I think that we're scared of the big thing, you know, like oh, I, I have a journal, everything, but it usually just starts off by just starting. It's just about yeah, you know, writing the first page and seeing how you feel and just 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 keeping up. Uh, being consistent as well. So I agree with you. It's it, I also like I'm also a blogger. So I, I know what you what you mean when it comes to like, sometimes feeling it is a hassle, but you know, doing it and sitting down and and and, and putting putting in a little bit of time and effort to do it in it. That's uh, that's uh, if it gives you a, a little bit of a feeling that you've accomplished something at least. Um, let's let's go over Yeah, and I'd say what Sorry, one last thing I'd say, uh, again, just an easy sort of, this is a teaser uh, for getting a journal on any day, whether it's starting a journal in general or just, you know, a day you're stuck. I use the word gratitude. I think if you just started with, or or if anybody's watching us, just start with what are you thankful for that happened yesterday? And just write. Could be as simple as um, I've got a roof over my head and I have uh, uh, the ability to jump on a bus or take a car to work. I I'm thankful that I have a job. In COVID times, there are a lot of people that, don't have work to go to. I'm thankful that everybody in my family is healthy right now. Um, I'm thankful right now in Michigan that it's sunny and not snowing, right? And then you sound funny, but when you start to write them down, it's amazing how much your brain unlocks this like um, openness, right? So I think if you just started with the things that you're grateful for, um, I have twin boys that are 20 and they're, I remember being 20, they're not excited about journaling. <laughs> so we call it a gratitude journal. But what when they write the things they're grateful for, it starts to become awfully hard to complain, right? So that's one word. <laughs> Love it, man. Um, let, let's jump over to the third and last habit, the one that is making you wealthier. Uh, you've started a few companies, jumped into a few ones, uh, sold a few other ones. Uh, super interesting entrepreneur. So, I mean, what is the habit that you've developed that kind of like you figured out that this uh, can also make money for you while you enjoy doing it. And uh, just just tell us your thought, your thoughts around that. Um, well, as most of my answers, they've got a little context. So I am a people pleaser by nature. And so I want to say yes to everybody. Um, I don't like to let people down. I like to make people happy. And so when doing that, you can imagine when you say yes to everything, you actually don't really do anything. So my habit is to learn to say no. Sometimes it's no because, hey, my family comes first. I would love to do that, but I'm, I'm this weekend, I'm going to spend time with my family. 
Others, it could be, no, I'd, I'd love to look at that business venture, but I am really focused on sports tech. And that often leads to, well, then why? And that's the second part of my answer here is I have learned from my great failures in doing things that I'm not that passionate about, where I've really failed. When I do the things that I'm passionate about, very seldom do I fail. And when I fail, I'm really eager to learn, right? Because I love sports and I love technology. I also love being part of our community. That's part of our foundation. So when I work at those things, I actually don't feel like I'm working. And I know everybody says this is true, but I can tell you I'm living it. It is true. When you do what you love, the money will follow. And it isn't about whether you have a big yacht and a private jet and those things. If that's what you're going after, then you better make sure that you're following something that makes you billions of dollars, right? Um, For me, it's not about how much money. It's that I can make money doing what I love. And I was spoiled to play professional soccer for 11 years. I don't know that there's a better job in the world. You show up to play soccer every day and every Friday you get a paycheck. And if you win some games, you get bonuses. That's pretty awesome. So I did learn at an early age um, that when you do what you love and you show up to work with a smile every day and people get attracted to that, right? As John Gordon would say, it's like being on the energy bus. Um the money follows. It really does. And and I know that's, we could spend another whole podcast on that, but I, I will tell you, my habit has been to learn to say no to the things that are not absolutely core to who I am and to where I want to go. And then when I say yes to those things, I know I have all the energy, all the time, all the focus. It becomes a lot easier. That's for sure. I would also add to that answer, Brian, I think it's a great answer, <laughs> but I would also add to that answer that that judgment comes with time, meaning that maybe early in your career, you have to say yes to everything because it's you, you don't really know what's going to work and what's not. So you probably go out and take any job or you probably uh, start any venture that you come up with because you just want to figure out if that works. No, that that I think that judgment that you say that you that side of learning how to say no is something that you learn well while you see that things don't work or they don't really make you happy or they don't really make you any, you know, give you any satisfaction at the end. So I guess that judgment comes with time and the learning to say no is, is a really key essential part of that uh, judgment. Uh, yes, I, I think it is. Um, my pause here is a little bit that I also believe that if you know who you are, right, what makes you happy, what makes you tick, then it's a lot easier to say no to some things that you you know in your gut, they just don't make sense, right? You know in your gut that I could go to work here every day and I might be making $10 more an hour, but every day I'm going to dread waking up and I can't wait to get home. That's a pretty quick indication that you may want to start looking somewhere else, right? <laughs> Now, if you're like, I'm not sure yet and I'm pretty excited about this job. I don't know what it fully entails dive in and see what happens. But I'd say the moments that you start to really dread what you're doing, not because you have a bad boss, not because the work environment is tough. Those things are going to be with every, I mean, at V1, our work environment, as you can imagine, we're in sports tech. It moves very, very fast. It is not for everybody. There are some people that want to show up at 901 and leave at 459. This is not the job for them. We are thinking about our work all the time, but for the people that that's their DNA, They can't wait to get in and talk about it, right? They can't wait to do some of those things. So um, 
yes, it's a little bit of kick the tires, a little bit of experimenting, but I would say um, there's also times where it is truly, you just got to know and trust your gut. Wow, what an amazing answer, Brian. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about V1 Sports uh, because it's a fascinating company. And I understand that you came up later. You didn't really found the company. You came up later and you acquired a, um, a majority stake and now you're the CEO. So, uh, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a big company and I want to know what is your mindset in, in terms of like the strategy, what is your strategy to develop and grow such a big company like V1 sports. And I always say, and I think about this as instead of taking the company from zero to one, you're basically taking it from one to two. So what is your strategy for that one to two? Um, Yeah, good question. So it, it's really the strategy that I use with my investment company, Opportunity Seed. So thankfully, again, I'm sticking to what I know works. I know what works well. V1 is a 25-year-old company. And when I invested, it was just about 18, 19 years old. I look for companies that are doing well but need to do great. I'm looking for companies that have good leadership, that are open to building great leadership, uh, that have good cash flow but want to then make more money. Right. So if I can find a company that's in that space and it's in sports tech, right? So we could be talking about uh, medical knee replacement, I would have no interest and I'm, I would bring no value, no passion. But when I can find those three things, and that's where V1 was, it was an industry leader, 70% market share, totally flat revenues, and pretty good management. When I came in as an investor, I spent the first three years working with the CEO. Uh, we like to call it PPF, right? So what's your personal goals? What are your professional goals? And ultimately, what are your financial goals? And what I found working with the founder and the CEO was he really didn't want to be here long term. Um, he really wanted to make more money being a creator of more software. That is not what V1 needed. So we built an exit plan for him. He's still a shareholder in the company. And as I was writing the job description for the new CEO, uh, our partners and our board of directors said, that kind of sounds like you. So why don't you take the job? Um, like an idiot, I said, yes. Uh, I did not learn to say no in that case. But the truth is, it, it was, uh, I, I'm pretty well suited for it. I love building high performing teams. Um, <clears throat> we had to rebuild the culture of the company. So I think if you take that strata of, you know, good cash flow going to great, good culture going to great, and good management going to great, um, I'd say that that wakes me up every morning. And we went from 35 employees down to about 12, right? Because the right people wanted to stay on the bus. And those that said, hey, we're going to go a lot faster and we're going to get more creative. There were a lot of people that said, thank you for the opportunity, just not for me. We've rebuilt the team and we've almost, we've done 30% growth year over year since I've taken over, which is about our team and our culture, right? The products are still good, moving to great. We've got a lot of runway, but, uh, Those are things that I look for. And when I came into V1, I think we had the perfect opportunity to really go from, to use Collins's mentality, right? How do you go from good to great? Well, you, you got to come in and you got to actually rebuild some foundation. And it's been awesome. Going back to the, the foundation <laughs> and the basic uh, thing, like culture is, I think, one of the key elements that drives that, um, that distance, as you mentioned. And I think I agree with you in terms of how 
it's all about thinking from 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 the basic stuff it, it doesn't really mean because yeah you, the company may have two million downloads and it may be used by seventeen thousand pga uh golfers but how do you how do you like take that next step and sometimes taking that next step is taking a step back and you know re reassessing re regrouping your troops and then preparing for a greater battle so uh, i think that's a great answer um brian and man you mentioned opportunity seed capital and i'm a big fan of it uh, because of the things that you do i'm also a big fan of sports technology and that's that's also what this podcast is about so let's talk about that how do you want to shape the future with opportunity seed capital what is the plan long term how like let's say we're we're thinking forward in like 30 years how opportunity seed capital develop the space what is what is going on in that in that you know, time uh thanks to opportunity seed capital just give us your thoughts around what is your plan for the long term uh with it yeah uh, it'll be probably a little unique right so my goal is not to build a one billion dollar fund <clears throat> um, we're a small fund that is built off of for denise and i it's our balance sheet and our whole goal is to invest in sports tech and in different companies with one idea that no matter what the the market that they are in whoever we invest in that they would take a percentage of their profits whether it's a cash flow every year or if they were lucky enough to sell the company like we've done a few times to take a percentage of that money from the sale and make it not about themselves to reinvest it in their community um, ours happens to be the belief in sport is a life changer and that doesn't mean it has to be soccer or football for you guys Uh, it doesn't have to be baseball. It could be being in the marching band. It could be being on the robotics team. It could be being on the esports team. We do believe that being part of uh, an organization in sport does make a difference in someone's life, and not everyone can afford it. So that last part is really important. So we would, at Opportunity Seed, we're making sure that we can make an investment for others who cannot afford the sport, whether that's a school, an organization, families, whatever that might be. My hope in 30 years is that through Opportunity Seed Capital, we've touched hundreds of business owners and businesses that are doing the same thing that we're doing, maybe even at greater scale. And I think then we'd have more than a billion dollars of influence that's actually in the community, not just about creating more wealth for the owners, right? And I'm one of them, I'm an owner. And our job is to make sure that we create wealth. We're fortunate, Denise and I, that we can take the proceeds of every sale that we have and put 100% back into the foundation So when I say to other owners, I didn't start there. We started with giving 10%, and then that went to 20% of the next sale. Well, now that we're at a point where we're at 100%, it comes over time. So even for a person who says, well, thank you for investing in my company, Brian, where do I start? I'd say start where you want, but decide now before you sell it. Because if you wait until the end, you never give as much as you think you will. If you decide now, even if it's 10%, and you sell that company for a million dollars, that's $100,000 that's going to go into your community and do really great stuff. But my guess is if somebody gave you a million dollars at the end, you'd probably say 20 or 25,000 feels good enough, right? So we try to get people to commit early and have a bigger impact. And I think over 30 years, you're going to see more and more and more grow with that, right? When you plant the seed, more grow and so on and so forth. Is that a model that you came up with or you figured it out from somebody else or you learned it from a book or something? 
Uh, no, that was, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are other very similar ideas, but that was one that, uh, that Denise and I started, uh, honestly, a long time ago. Um, so we still own a sports facility, an indoor sports facility, about 220,000 square feet that serves a lot of those families, right? It's not a YMCA. We make money. It's a for-profit. And we're very specific to say we are a for-profit company. We have a nonprofit arm, but we still run it as a for-profit because you can't give any money away if you don't make money. So if you're a nonprofit that's break even, you give away nothing. If you're a for-profit that makes a million dollars a year and you want to give 10% of that away, that's a pretty civic organization. So what I've just found over time is when we commit to that early um, and we just, we build it into the business plan. We know that we are going to give X percent away every week, every month, every quarter, every year. Well, you can imagine it's much easier for me to hire people that want to be on a team like that. It's also easier for people to say, no, I don't, eh, it feels a little too warm and fuzzy. So we know over a course of time, we hire the right people. I mean, we do what's called mission three, two, one at our companies. So we give 3% of our profit off the top as a corporation. In addition to whatever we do individually, we give every employee 2% of their time back to reinvest in their families and their communities. So in a 2000 hour work year, they get 40 hours a week or 40 hours that's paid to do a community trash cleanup, to volunteer at their local YMCA, to uh, take ballet lessons with their daughter, whatever it might be, that's just their time. And then 1% we give locally, literally in the community that we serve, that is, that is all designated by only the people in our company, not by the executive team. So the executives cannot touch that pool of money. And every quarter we decide where we're going to give. So it might be to a local animal shelter. It might be to... Um, a community that was hit by a flood or a tornado. It, it could be anything. A separate group of people decides that. So we've just learned these over time. And as we put these into what we call our playbook, uh, we just find that, again, we hire the right people. We invest in the right companies. As you'd imagine, if you had a company and I was giving you these ideas that I'd say, if I invest, I'd like us to talk more about this. If it resonated with you, you'd say, man, I, I really want to spend more time talking about that. Perfect. If you said, look, I just want to make as much money as I can so I can have, you know, a bigger house, a bigger boat, a bigger jet, a bigger whatever, we're probably not talking about the same thing. None of that is bad. Warren Buffett is a billionaire and gives hundreds of millions of dollars to charity every year. He has a private jet. He's got a big boat. He does all those things. So it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that we need to find like-minded people. Wow, man. That's... Uh... That's a great strategy to find people that share the same values as you and that you're able to, you know, invest in their stuff while you also make an impact in the community. I think that speaks greatly about you, Brian. And I, I got to say that I I can't believe that time has, has went through in this halftime snack, man. I'm having so much fun. I'm learning so much about you. I don't want it to end. Sadly, it's all about the halftime snack. You can't, you can't, you know, the game's already starting, so <laughs> we got to wrap it up. Um, but I want to, before we leave, I just want to ask you one last personal question. That is, let's suppose that you, you out of a sudden become president of the U.S. overnight. What is the first thing that you would do and why? Uh I'll, I'm going to keep it super simple um, because it is who I am. I think we can use sport and activity. And I know this sounds really corny, but I think we could use sport and activity to unify people. I think if you, if you talk across social sectors, 
geographic sectors, um, socioeconomic sectors, from the inner cities of Detroit to the most wealthy suburbs in Aptos, California. There are kids and people that love to play sport, not because they're getting paid for it, because they love to play sport. And I think if we said, what's a unifying thing that we have in our country, sport is unifying. We've seen it around the world. Every time the World Cup happens, wars have stopped, people come together, we link arms. <clears throat> so again, history is a great teacher of that. We're not going to solve it with more religion. We're not going to solve it with a different political party. We're not going to solve it by making each other wealthy. Um, I really do think if we look at sport and say, what are the commonalities that make us competitors? For sure, as, as a country, we're competitive. We've gotten away from that, right? As a country, we're very, very um, combined. We've gotten away from that. So again, we, we could spend another halftime talk or the post-game talk talking about that. Um, I, I would literally look into every sporting opportunity in our country and say, what are the foundations and how do we build a better country through that? I love it. I love it, Brian. Man, I want to thank you so much for coming to the Halftime Snacks, spending a little bit of your time with us. It's been such a fun time. I've learned so much about you. I think I decoded your brain to learn how you think, <laughs> how you work out, how you um, how you think about habits, how you go about your life. I think that it speaks greatly about who you are and what you stand for, and I appreciate that, Brian. Um, I wish nothing but the best for you, and I can't wait to have another Halftime snack or a post-game post uh, snack with you uh, in the future, Brian. So anyways, thank you so much. Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week.